0: Welcome into Oklahoma Breakdown, your source for Oklahoma Sooners football, basketball, all of the above. Uh, but right now, especially football, and believe it or not, Oklahoma Breakdown is not being what you call a Mike Stoops uh, normal day in the press box uh, up uh, up in uh, Gaylord Memorial Stadium. This is Oklahoma Breakdown. He is having a breakdown in Oklahoma. <laughs> during those during the football games but we are Not Oklahoma so breakdown. much
1: anymore. Well, he might be having a breakdown over like missed tackles on the back end, but I thought he did a pretty decent job schematically on Wednesday. I think the not, nothing that really occurred was his fault, so I think he's uh kind of resting easy, which is probably a nice change of pace for him.
0: Yeah, I mean the the, the tackling is really the only thing that you can um you know, come away from the game and, and think defensively, it, it, yeah. Because I
1: mean, the the I mean, they held David Montgomery to what was it, 82 yards on 22 carries. He's, which he's is an
0: NFL back. <laughs> By the way, OU OU o- 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 won 37 to 27 against Iowa State. Um, up in Ames to open up OU's conference play. So they're three and oh now. Um, one and oh in the Big 12. So yeah, like like I said, I mean, David Montgomery's an NFL back. I mean, he's going to be a first rounder. Uh, if not first round or second round kind of guy, like he, yeah, he's I mean very, he, very
1: he's talented. a he's a you know a day two kind of guy, second or third round. Probably. But there, he, you he's know, fantastic. There,
0: there were a couple of uh, you know, for lack of a better word, um, triggering incidents where a tree like Iowa State wide receiver gets open in the secondary, and not a single OU secondary member can tackle.
1: The tackling in that situation, those two situations in particular, obviously wasn't both of them in the first half, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some incidents in the second half as well. But, you know, in the first those half, were the most yeah, those ones. were the most egregious, yeah. But, uh, you, know, you know, Zeb Nolan played a little better than I thought he would. He's got a big arm. You know, he's, he's he was the more talented guy all along. You know, we knew that ahead of time, but we weren't sure how well he'd, uh, Credit, I guess, handle himself
0: in that situation. He, lo- he looked fine to me. Credit to him for uh, not being afraid. I mean, he was not afraid to chuck the ball downfield if he saw a receiver. Uh, not even open in single coverage. Dude I mean, can zip it. He was, not, it. I mean, he he was not afraid yeah. at all. So you got to give him credit for that. Uh, Iowa State backup quarterbacks are OU's. No, not kryptonite. I mean, last year it was. This year. Yeah, against Iowa
1: State, overcome. I guess it's the kryptonite.
0: Yeah, for for whatever reason, it seems that way. So that was my takeaway. It was just the tackling. Everything else was fine. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of senior fans wanted to see a bigger margin than 10 points. But, you know, we talked to um, Levi Stevenson last week. Of wide right, natty light, and he said, kind of took me aback at first. He said that this is the best defense in the Big Twelve. Not this is arguably the best defense, or this could be. He said this is the
1: best defense. I don't Big agree 12. with that at all, but that it, it is a very good defense. It's but a better than average that's defense. That's
0: a top three. I think that's a top three or four yeah. defense OU yeah. was going to face all season. I long. agree. Yeah. Uh, and so I, this, uh, you know, they like he said, they they did exactly what what he said they would. Rush three, drop eight. Um, and that's that's sort of how they defend things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, offensively, I don't – I mean, obviously the running game never quite got going, but I'm pretty confident that they can, you know, right the ship there. I mean, like we talked about this with uh, Tyler Palmitz here, who uh, you guys will hear later. But, uh, you know, you can't really discount how many changes were made uh, as far as positions are concerned over the offseason. You know, you lose Orlando Brown, and so – Bobby Evans moves over to the left. Cody Ford moves out to tackle. You're putting in a new center in Creed Humphrey who I guess now is the full-time starter. But I mean, you know, obviously there's names there and there's talent there and there's a ton of potential there. But I think it's reasonable to, you know, be patient in this instance. I mean, they aren't blowing people off the line in the run blocking as far as that's concerned as far as you know pass blocking is concerned they have been perfect honestly i mean they, they kyler has all day to throw and even when he doesn't have all day to throw he's a he demonstrated that he uh has a lot of really good situational awareness that's one thing that i really came away with on a saturday was kyler murray really really looked like a uh like a seasoned veteran for oklahoma you know it's only his third you know Game as the guy. I mean, obviously he has the, he had the start against West Virginia, uh, but, but that I, didn't that really count. A, that's his but. <laughs> first
0: full four quarter college football game. Yeah, yeah, and that's he, the first time he he's played all four quarters. He passed with flying
1: game. colors. He was fantastic. He I, he, I mean, he's there's really no gripe about him at this point. You know, through three games, he he's I expected him to be very good, but he. After Saturday, he's surpassed my expectations. He he's he's a really heady quarterback. He's got great situational awareness. He's got you know that moxie that Mayfield has. Maybe it's not as a uh, outwardly outwardly uh, projected as it is with Mayfield, but you know he's definitely a very confident kid who carries himself very well. So uh, it's
0: funny to see the difference in. Uh, yeah, I spoke to Tyler Palmetier. He actually tweeted about that earlier um just you can see it in their instagram stories kind of the way yeah. that they go about which it's I, I i hate myself for even saying that sentence just now but that's i that's social media it's 2018 is, fuck it social you know, media whatever. is reality uh that's kind of how how things go now and that's a that's an example of how different they are so i you're right though that moxie that's a great way to put it he's a very inwardly confident guy yeah so that's uh you know, ou 37 um excuse me iowa state 27 um i I, I, this game has been broken down ad nauseum up to this point. But any any final takeaways?
1: Oh, I mean, uh, one other thing on Kyler Murray, I would say one thing. I that was a question mark coming in is you know how much would he be able to? I guess galvanize his teammates and uh, the offense in general, and he checked that box as well. So, like I said, he's you know after the UCLA game, I was you know I was encouraged. But there were still questions to be answered. But it, it seems like he's checked everything off at this point. It, it, that's crazy to say after three games, but I'm he he has my full confidence at this point. I, I think I, I think speak for a lot of Oklahoma fans when I say that. I can't even think of a single red flag. I can't even think of it. I mean, he to, had to one ding. ball batted down, and that you know that wasn't just his height that was the factor there. But I mean, that sort of came through my mind at that point. I think it was the uh. That was Oklahoma's first offensive possession when they uh were forced to kick a field goal. So but, I take uh, that back. We have one complaint It's not a Kyler real complaint Murray. though. Up it's, until this
0: point, we have one complaint about one throw. Uh Kyler Murray not perfect. His Breakout.
1: size really like in general though, his size really hasn't uh hasn't really hampered him. did we seen
0: quarterbacks? So. I mean the last one who came through
1: here. <laughs> Granted, you know, Kyler perfect. Kyler is a lot shorter than his predecessor. I mean he's two two, two inches, three inches? I right? would I would I, I mean, Kyler's 5'11". Uh, standing next to Kyler, like well, he, well, Baker's, Kyler's listed at 5'11". I, I've i stood next right. to Kyler. We're, we're close to eye to eye. I will leave it at that. I, I won't give away my embarrassing height. I'm 5'8". But, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're basically eye to eye. Maybe he's a little taller. Maybe like 5'9". But, you know, he's, there's a big difference between being 5'9 and being Six yeah. foot and a half, like yeah, Baker Mayfield, for sure, would. for sure. I, I mean, but he—it's not limiting him at this point, so.
0: Yeah, you know, on on this level, uh, that's definitely not something that's going to. No,
1: nah, he's fine.
0: Yeah, even though OU does have some pro size offensive linemen, so, um, enough about Iowa State. Um, that's kind of all, all dead and gone up to this point. Yeah. Uh, and and we will, like I said, we we'll talked to Tyler Palmatier later in the show. Um, we also talked to Mitchell Northam. Uh, Tyler Palmetier is the o- OU, or excuse me, the. Norman Transcript, there we go. Norman Transcript, sports editor, also a contributor there. Uh, Mitchell Northam, who we talked to, is an editor and contributor for Against All Enemies, which is a brand new SB Nation blog um, devoted to Army, Navy, Air Force, um, all the service academy sports. So uh, you definitely want to stick around for both of those. Uh, but before we get into those interviews, how was your uh, how was your weekend? What would you get up to? Eventful.
1: Eventful. Um
0: did you drink wine while you watch football? I step? I
1: drink. I did not drink any wine. You would be proud to know that I uh, I drank Bud Light. So, that's uh. I mean, I'm no. It, it, I see. I was expecting like that. We. I look on Yelp at this bar to you know watch uh, t- you know finding a bar to watch uh, this game at you know early hours on the West Coast. Found a place that opened at seven a.m. That should have perhaps been. A red flag that it wasn't too ritzy because it was just a dive bar in Napa. Like it was, you know, old locals. It wasn't like you know, dudes in sweaters and shit like that. Like <laughs> I was expecting in Napa, but like, uh, you know, you it, it was see cool. It in
0: movies, guys with the uh, it's their sweater is like draped around their neck. Exactly, you know, yeah. Like broad, with the they're... pastel colors yeah, and shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it, blue. It's, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like that's what I had in my mind, and it was nothing like that. It was, it was, you know, the working class of Napa, which is a pretty big. You know, obviously in that industry there's a lot of blue collar workers, you know, and uh that kind of thing. So, you know, that's that's sort of how I spent my Saturday watching the game. But yeah, Thursday got out there, saw Langhorn Slim at this like I guess it was like this Grateful Dead themed thing. It's called Terrapin Crossroads in San Rafael. And it was like a like a three hundred person listening room for a guy who's pretty Semi-famous, I mean, it, yeah, he's, he's intense, really talented. That, yeah. I mean, it was a it was a really cool thing, but uh, Friday, I'm thinking of what I did on Friday. It's a little hazy going out to the West Coast. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I did Friday. Oh, yeah, went out in San Francisco. That was really cool. San Francisco's fun. It's a good drinking town. Went to a big food truck thing, uh, ate some tacos, pet a bulldog that I found. That was pretty neat. I've never pet a bulldog before, but uh, that was cool. <laughs> you don't cool.
0: have to go all the way to San Francisco. Yeah, you, to pet a bulldog,
1: exactly. You know? Yeah, I, I, you know, but you it, could do that at home. It, it, it was fate, I guess. So I like San Francisco and I like that food truck thing. But anyway, Saturday, watch the game, take it easy for a while, then watched uh, the night games in Berkeley at a good bar, uh, like a good cow bar, good sports bar. Pretty cool. I don't know if you've ever been to Berkeley before, but it is no, a never been to the it West is Coast before. an extremely cool campus. Like it, you if you're an Oklahoma you feel a little out of place there, I'm not gonna lie. But it's uh it's a very it's a beautiful campus with uh, a lot of really good bars. You know, it's uh and you know, Cal had played some I'm trying to think of who they played, maybe Idaho State or something like that right before that, or U C Davis. It's one of those two. But uh, anyway, you had some of the post-game crowd at the bars, so it was a pretty lively atmosphere. But I lost my sunglasses, so that kind of sucked. I always lose my sunglasses. I do too. Yeah, I never lose my phone right here, but I. Uh,
0: I that's I, the way to go. I would much rather lose. I, my and phone I never
1: lose cheap phone. sunglasses. I only lose expensive sunglasses. I think that's my that's you know karma for being an idiot who buys expensive sunglasses. But uh, it's the other way around for me. I gotta buy uh,
0: expensive sunglasses, otherwise I'll lose them. My my weekend was. Um, I actually had a weekend, sort of. I usually don't get weekends uh, working all day on Saturday, um, and then I get to, you know, I, I'm going to work on Sunday as well and then do some other uh, sort of things to pay the bills. So I actually had a Sunday off, and I watched football from noon to, um, let's see, the 3 o'clock games end at about 6, 6.30, took about an hour break, and then, Watch the 7.30 games. That's so, that's the
1: American dream right there. I you watched, know, chill on Sunday and uh, watch, you know, three different time slots of football games. Did you catch any of the uh, San Francisco-Detroit game? Did you see me in the end zone?
0: No, oh, I, I was watching it um, kind of because I was watching it on Red Zone. So I, was I saw the, bits and pieces of it.
1: I was the idiot who didn't bring sunscreen or wear a hat. So as you can see right now, <laughs> Uh, my face is uh, essentially a mask right now, so that's the current state of affairs. That's not fun, by the way. And I got my Jimmy Garoppolo bobblehead, which uh, it's on my counter now. It's pretty neat. He's Handsome it's guy. gonna it's gonna I be, it's gonna be very it's gonna be very valuable someday, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think it will be, but like, uh,
0: see, they're gonna be really, really valuable uh, in two years, or it's not gonna be valuable. Yeah, ever. He That's holds on
1: to yeah. the ball for too long. That's his deal, but uh, he yeah, he took some unnecessary sacks against the uh, Lions. But uh, as far as that stadium is concerned, Levi's Stadium, which by the way, is where the uh, national championship game is being played, the Natty this year in Santa Clara. Um, as far as the new stadiums are concerned. Pretty underwhelming, not gonna lie. It's in a cool area, you know. It's uh, it'll be decent in the winter. Granted, you know, that region does get cold in the winter. I mean, it gets cold in the summer sometimes yeah. too, but uh, it, it, it's not gonna be like freezing or anything like that. It'll probably be fine weather wise, but uh, and you know, it's in an okay area and it's got a decent, you know, tailgating lot and stuff like that. But as far as like being all glitzy and all that, I mean, it's fine, but it's it's not close to what you see in Atlanta it's not close to what you see in Minneapolis it's not even up to snuff with what you're seeing you know with I guess what's formerly Reliance Stadium and now NRG Stadium in Houston I guess that stadium's about almost uh it's more than 15 years old at this point it's it's I don't think it's as nice as that is I mean
0: a dinosaur at this point yeah well honestly I I think I think yeah as as terms of stadiums
1: absolutely but I mean if you make the necessary upgrades and if it's built to where you can uh you know, it, it's, that's more conducive to making upgrades in the future, which I guess that stadium is because it's, it's still very nice at this point. I think it's nicer than what you have in Santa Clara. Granted, there's some luxury amenities that are, uh, pretty cool. I didn't get to go in there, but, uh, seemed pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, then went to Palo Alto after that, saw Stanford, which, uh, pretty damn cool campus. Not quite as cool as Cal, but, uh, Definitely cool. And then, uh, yeah, that's my weekend.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Uh, I think that is going to do it for now. Uh, we're going to go, we're going to throw it to Tyler Palmettier. We're going to talk to him. Uh, Tyler, like I said, sports editor for the Norman Transcript. Great insight on Oklahoma football. Uh, He's there for all the media availability. Um, And then Mitchell Northam, who has great perspective on Army football. We talked to him. He is with the Against All Enemies SB Nation blog. Uh, So stick around, those interviews are coming up next. All right, now we're talking to Tyler Palmatier, sports editor, OU football beat writer, so much more. For the Norman transcript, Tyler, how you doing, man? Hey, pretty
2: good. How are you all doing?
1: Pretty good. Before we get into all this football stuff, uh, I'd like to address a tweet that you sent out this morning that apparently your office phone number is listed in the Norman North directory as the Norman North attendance office. Uh, (laughs) Have you gotten any good excuses yet at this point?
2: You know, I wish I had like a really good story for you, uh, but... I've really just gotten about three calls. All of them have been from adults. Um, I didn't even put that all together until today. I got a call and I just decided, you know, one time is random, two times is maybe coincidence. On the third one, I said, hey, you know, is my, does this number listed in the Norman North directory somewhere as, and they said, yeah, this we I'm sure tr- you, you are listed as the attendance office. I was like, "Oh my gosh," you know, and uh, of course, you know, I, I'm offering, as I said, free excuses, free um, excused absences, free tardy slips, and those are all just at a at a low cost of fifty dollars right now. Um, Man,
1: you have, could retire off of that.
2: Yeah, and I'll do, and I'll do fake IDs too for a hundred. I've just got to, <laughs> I've got to cover. I just need to get the overhead. You know, it's a little more expensive because I've got to buy the equipment. So um, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. I yeah. appreciate That's... you all helping me get that out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah some free yeah. publicity for that. Yeah. What, what's yeah. what's the name of it?
2: Uh, a ten tech.
1: Ten a ten tech. Ten sounds good. Yeah.
2: A TM. Gotcha.
1: A TM. All right. So now to football. Um, OU's offensive line has done a pretty damn good job protecting Kyler Murray through three games, but. They haven't quite lived up to the billing as far as run blocking is concerned at this point. Uh, from what you've gathered, is there optimism that they can get this turned around in the near future? Is there some legitimate concern on that front?
2: Yeah, there's definitely optimism. Um,
1: there's reason I, for optimism, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's,
2: yeah. There's, well, there's there's optimism coming from inside the locker room. I think, you know, um, and Bill Bedenboe spoke to us this week and didn't really – back off of that he thinks I, he's going into year five I believe at OU and he thinks this is going to be this he told them in the summer he said this could be the best group that we've had and in a lot of ways you think about you look at the whole group they did lose Orlando Brown but uh, you know they had a walk on an Eric Wren at center who did a great job but now you kind of you know talent wise what Creed Humphrey gives you in terms of potential and just you know um Talent out of the high school ranks. You've got. I'm. I'm careful to say. Careful to say upgrade. But I mean, you've got a more talented player with a bigger future probably ahead of him. Um. And and Creed. So. He's. They still like the pieces they have. I think. Um. Kind of in classic Oklahoma fashion, they're they're built for the latter half of the season, and. Uh, this group, I think, can get a lot better. Uh, the changes that they made were really pretty big before the year. You moved one guy from the right side of the line of scrimmage to the left with Bobby Evans, and uh, you're converting Cody Ford from a guard into a tackle, and your, uh, your two guards were pretty well situated. But there were some changes. You know, was, we, people sometimes get caught up in looking at the group and hearing how good they could be, and they think, oh, well, they're just going to come out of the gate, and you know, they've got this deep stable of backs, and they're just going to steamroll people. And then against Florida Atlantic, that happened. I mean, there were just huge holes that guys were running through against Florida Atlantic, um, and then we saw the kind of a regression in the last uh, couple games. So I think it will it's slow a little bit because of the offensive line changes that they've underwent. But I'm you know I'm not an expert on I'm not slowing down their techniques and wa- going back and watching how those guys are blocking. But I, so I can't personally say that, I, you know I think they're going to be great later, but they are certainly confident they can still be really good and. I kind of think that's always been Oklahoma's MO. They can start slow. They're always kind of built for the second half of the season.
0: I mean, is it fair to say that maybe some of these problems are because of Rodney Anderson's absence?
2: Yeah. Or at least they're not being masked by Rodney Anderson. You know, if, if if he, uh, you know, if he keeps playing against UCLA and and breaks a couple long runs and gets over a hundred yards and does the same thing against Iowa state, maybe we're not talking about this quite as much. Um, because it's, they've got a few more yards from the running backs and I think that's just been that's a little strange compared to last year and the last few years just to see their running backs not get a bunch of yards and to see it, to see them lean on a quarterback I think there's some concern there but you're totally right And Rodney Anderson nobody knows he was just really good at hitting those creases uh, and a really patient guy and the bottom line is the guys that are, are going to pick up the carries now are just not as experienced they don't they don't have that time on the field and that's I think you make a good point. It's just, it's going to take some time for those guys to get in a groove again.
1: You know, speaking of this offense, you know, Kyler Murray, he seemed to show a different side of himself this week against Iowa State and that he truly really looked like a field general and really had command of this offense against a pretty decent Iowa State defense. Um, are there any questions about his ability at this point that remain unanswered at this point?
2: that's a That's a good question. I mean, he's sort of checking all the boxes off. I think the big one was that for me, I wondered if uh, at the first sign of trouble, I wondered what he would look like in the pocket. would he is this a guy that would just take off running or would he be comfortable standing in there and he hasn't played in so long? What's he gonna look like on the field and um, after all this time? And he so the to me, the big thing was will he be comfortable and I think he certainly looks comfortable. Uh, his arm—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm super impressed with the—the the ball that he throws, and he's been very accurate, very efficient. His running, as uh, you guys have seen, I mean, that's just—that's one of the more entertaining things about watching OU football. I mean, watching like a one-yard Kyler Murray gain this year is—is is a lot of fun. He—I—I I can't remember which play it was, but it certainly happened against—um—on his 15-yard run against Florida Atlantic. Remember when he? scrambled around everywhere you know sideline to sideline picked up 15 yards off of it he literally looks like he's running circles around people sometimes not you know i don't say that to be like uh to just throw around hyperbole but he literally is sort of i mean he's all over the place he's running squiggly lines kind of all over the backfield and um so that part hasn't hasn't disappointed i think his biggest test is just going to be kind of the trial of miles as the season goes on you know that's what it takes to uh, key one of these big seasons uh, like you had last year, and you know to to win a Big Twelve championship is each week is going to be a new challenge. Uh, there's going to be better. They're going to see better defense. Iowa State's a good defense. They're going to see better ones. Uh, they're you know Texas um, is still going to be pretty good defensively. TCU and you know Oklahoma State's put up big numbers through three games, even though their schedule hasn't been that great um, in two of the three games. So I think. The, what we haven't seen from Kyler Murray is just going to be, this is the first year in however long we haven't seen him play quarterback. And, um, he's just going to face the test of consistency. He's just going to have to go in every week and, uh, have big numbers. I think for OU to win, it's going to be even more important now with Rodney Anderson out. And then if we're talking about his Heisman candidacy, then yeah, the question about his, the big question about his ability is just, can he keep doing it? So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And, um, I think every week it'll just be fun to see what he can do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But uh switching topics over to the defense. This situation with Caleb Kelly has justifiably been one of the hottest topics through 3 weeks. Do you think they're legitimately considering doing what was previously unthinkable by redshirting a former five-star and former starter during his third year on campus?
2: I think they are, and I don't think they would. I don't think they would suggest otherwise if they were, if they were not going to do it. And to not see him in that game at Iowa State, you know, that wasn't a. That was a close enough game where. They really felt like they wanted him on the field instead of Brian Meade, who was a walk-on who went in for, uh, Curtis Bolton there on that series or two, however long that lasted. Then I think they would have put Caleb Kelly in, but. I think it is That's one of the wildest things that uh, that we've seen so far this season, the fact that he may not be on the field again. But I, I also think we'll see him on the field again. He's got, uh, I believe – I believe – has he got two games left?
1: Yeah, he's got two he's got games two left, games. yeah, since he, he didn't play against Iowa State. Right, yeah.
2: he's a, he did appear in the first two. Um, he, yeah, um,
1: he came in late against UCLA, if I recall correctly.
2: Right, so – We'll see him again. It'll just be a matter of, you know, when. Uh, I was kind of talking to some people earlier, wondering, you know, would you would they throw him back at his old position uh, against Army if they, you know, um, but there's a they've got Ryan Jones there, so you really don't have to do that um, because the arm the look against Army is going to be a little different. You just won't need the all the extra defensive backs on the field. So I, I think just. Um, I do think they're going to redshirt, or not, I don't know. I'm not. I'm sorry. Let me. I do think they're thinking about redshirting him, about the possibility. But I still think he'll also likely play in the two games that he has left, and uh, or they'll just they'll just keep him there in case there's an injury. You know, if Curtis Bolton gets injured, um, and it looks long term, that redshirt plan could change really quickly. They would. They probably don't want Brian Mead for an extended period of time playing that position. I
1: would say not. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So if if he's injured, I think Caleb Kelly will probably play in the red shirt. Uh, If Curtis Bolton's injured, the red shirt deal goes out the window with Caleb. If Curtis Bolton stays healthy, I think you'll just see Caleb. uh, Maybe he could play. He could give you some depth, or you know, maybe in a playoff game. Uh, I I don't. I don't know how they'll use him, and I don't think they'll talk much about how they'll use him because uh, Lincoln Riley's a pretty. strategic guy and doesn't really like to reveal too many cards we were asking him earlier um i don't know if you guys have, can see on the telecast or if you're at the if you've seen at the games Kerry cooks is wearing a blue polo on the sidelines which i didn't i don't think he did last year um there are a couple coaches wearing different colored polos and we asked uh riley about that and sounds seems like there's a pretty simple solution behind it but riley wouldn't tell us why why uh, yeah. here? Why he's wearing different colored polos? So the guy just, you know, he has a poker face and he has a set of cards and he uh, is not, he is not gonna give anybody any sort of a glimpse of those cards. So it'll be, yeah, same thing. That'll be a weekly, a pretty interesting weekly thing to watch what they do with Caleb Kelly. I,
1: I kind of think he might be screwing with us on the shirt thing, honestly, just kind of throwing a curveball at us because I can't think of any justification for wanting to keep that a secret. I think he's probably just chooses to wear a uh, blue shirt or something like that honestly and he's keeping I, I it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably just he's probably the signal guy and just, you know, maybe it's, it's yeah, maybe. it is a younger it's a younger uh, secondary. That's true. Maybe they're, uh, you know, he, he could easily just be, you know, these guys don't know, you know, here's the signal guy. It could be as simple as that, but you're right. Who who knows? Maybe it's just maybe Kerry just likes blue.
1: <laughs> yeah, potentially. I I think I've seen a photo in, like, the Getty database or something like that. I think it was 2016 he wore the blue polo. I think it was that game against Ohio State and Norman. But oh. I don't recall oh. him wearing that at any other point. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's it, that's a, kind of a weird deal. Well,
2: that's interesting. Yeah, if it's a by-game thing, then I'm, that's, I'm even more interested.
1: Yeah, maybe it was a thing, you know, early in 2016 with that sort of inexperienced, you know, cornerback situation with uh, Parrish Cobb, and we don't need to mention Parrish Cobb anymore, but uh, as far as the defense is concerned, you know, sticking with that theme, uh, you know, tackling on the back end was a bit of a concern, I guess. I mean, and not I guess, but I mean, it, it definitely was a concern, but uh, do you do you kind of see it as a, like a one-off thing against a really big and athletic wide receiver in Hakeem Butler or, do you see this as sort of a symptom of the issues that we've seen on that area over the past few seasons?
2: It sure looked like kind of a symptom of the last few seasons, um, but that's tough to say. I mean, I kind of understand when somebody says, "Hey, well, this is just a big physical receiver, you know, and that's why we he just broke a lot of tackles." Well, this is a fo- this is a game of football where. D- d- big physical receivers you know that's the name of the game and certainly in this conference there are big physical receivers recruited to it so it's really not and it's really not that acceptable and of an excuse you know that's why you know that that's why he had those yards and I, I know that um, you certainly give you tip your hat to a butler who is you know big dude and just uh, I mean I think he's a good player um, but Who's probably gotten better since last year, but I don't know if it's you know you at some point you got to bring down a big physical receiver and or if one guy can't do it you got to figure out a way to I mean you're maybe get another guy over there but a lot of times you've got you know they were isolating him uh, and and put him in position to make plays by himself and he was so I don't but I don't know if it's just I don't know if either if it's just time to panic like oh okay they've got the same same old problems this team looks like a better tackling team um, to me. And I think it, with some of those younger guys, you would hope that you know they could that they'll improve as the year goes on. Um, but they're going to see some good receivers down the line. Um, you know, Oklahoma State's got some physical ones. I'm trying to think. You guys, maybe you can help me. Who were the other big, big broody type receivers in this league?
1: You know, Texas has Colin Johnson. He's yeah, and, and yeah, John yeah. Burt. I mean, yeah, they 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 got some big guys too.
2: You're gonna Yeah, they're gonna see him. And um, you, you you can't avoid them, um, so it's it's one of those things. It's I, I don't believe it's a one-off, but it's something they're gonna have to correct. I think it looked familiar, and I think they're better at tackling, but I wouldn't call it just an isolated thing. I think that it might be a thing they struggle with again, um, maybe sporadically.
0: I, I mean, tackling from that game is pretty much the only thing you could come away with in, in criticizing the defense for, at least, uh, from a widescreen perspective. Do you think Mike Mike Stoops is close to being out of the woods, so to speak?
2: Um, I th- yeah, I kind of think he is. They've it depends on how you look at. It. I think he's he could be close if if the defense um. He's gonna have to make you know get the, this defense is gonna have to look better by the time the end of the, the season arrives. It's gonna have to be improved from a year ago and and show like marked improvement. Um, because I think the one thing, the feather in Mike Stoops' hat right now is that he's recruited well and that there has been a talent upgrade. Um, so that that works for him. And if they can keep developing those guys, then I think he can get himself out of the woods. But if there isn't major marked improvement, I think as time goes on, as as maybe Lincoln Riley gets a little bit further removed from – the Bob Stoops era, there's not going to be quite as much of a obliga- obligation for lack of a better word to um, you know to keep a Mike Stoops around just to uh, maintain that kind of relationship um, with Bob, if that makes any sense. I, I just think as as the era is split further and further apart, um, Lincoln Riley, if he feels like he's not getting the results he needs, he's it, just not going to feel a, a big obligation to to keep Mike Stoops around if he wants to go in a different direction. Now, one thing people don't talk about much is, you know, whether or not Mike and Lincoln are just very close. And so he might get a few more opportunities for that if they, um, if those guys are just are really tight and there's a good relationship there. But, um, you, even with, you know, a Josh Heupel and Bob Stoops, you know, time eventually if you're not getting the results you want, you know, you'll make a tough decision. So, I kind of think as the years go on and and, uh, Riley really starts to get a little further away from Bob's years if if the defense isn't making those big jumps you know the clock could be still be ticking on Mike Stoops but I I say that to say like the defense does look better right now and they've got the talent upgrade which is uh, because of Mike's recruiting so He's got some things going for him, and I think he could get himself out of the woods with a big year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. And with that talent upgrade comes a bit more confidence in that defensive unit, and with that comes a bit more of an aggressive strategy, which is what OU fans have sort of been longing for. So that's, you know, that's helped his perception a little bit. But uh, shifting the focus over to the Big 12 – Oklahoma still looks like the cream of the crop in this conference, but how would you rank two through five at this point after what we saw last week? It's too. It's really
2: too bad that uh, the West Virginia North Carolina State game got canceled. Uh, that would have been a lot easier to figure. But I think I would still go. I think I would still go West Virginia, and then I'm going to go OSU. TCU. Boy, fourth. And after that, what do you do? I guess Kansas State, Texas Tech. I mean, I just have faith in Bill Snyder. Let's go Kansas State. Um, Two, three, four. Let's go Kansas State at uh, number five.
1: Matt, who's your two through
2: five? I, I, I pretty much agree. I
0: thought about putting even Texas there at number five. Outside of that, I, I completely agree though.
2: Yeah. yeah K, K- yeah, State
0: though, I mean, you could easily convince me as Kansas State. I I like like Tyler. I, I have a hard time slotting anybody in there.
2: Yeah, but I think you got a good point. Texas has the out of the rest of the teams they has that they have the best win. I don't know. USC might be in might kind of be in shambles, but uh, that's probably the that's the best win out of the others. Yeah, but I just have the, so much faith in in Bill Snyder that that you know they just find a way. It seems like they just always find a way. Um, so that's at this point, that's kind of who I'm going with. But yeah, it'll be really fun to see uh, what West Virginia does. That man, that OU West Virginia game at the end of the year is looking like it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Morgantown will be lit for that one. Mm-hmm, I'm not sure if I'm mm-hmm. going to make the trip or not. I might have to do. Thanksgiving in Pittsburgh or something like that. That'd be kind of fun. I've never been to Pittsburgh, but, uh, do
2: it. Pittsburgh's great. We'll all be yeah. there. Yeah. Do it. Might yeah, have do to it. do it. Yeah. Yeah. But,
1: it. uh, I don't know if you saw this earlier today, yeah. this yeah. stat, but, uh, the service academies, they've beaten the spread. they have beaten. Uh, what is it? Three T, uh, three touchdown spreads. So like 21.5 or more 75% of the time since 1995 as underdogs, Wow, Which is wow. it, yeah, exactly. If you people who those of you who don't really pay attention to Vegas odds, that is insane. Like beating the spread fifty five percent of the time is incredible, but seventy-five is unheard of for you know, and that's a that's a three school sample size too, so that's uh pretty significant. But
3: yeah, considering are, that,
1: are... what's up?
2: Oh nothing. I was just gonna say, yeah, that's um that's why those guys are all run the you know, the flex bone, the wishbone offense because it just it neutralizes that talent gap so much
1: exactly but in having said that i i'm it shocks me that that hasn't carried over to vegas you know what i mean because those guys honestly know more than anyone i mean as far mm-hmm. as uh, that kind of stuff is concerned so it's a little shocking but having said that uh how close do you think this can be this week that's a good question
2: and i just i've been so bad at picking this year um, and i don't have too much sympathy for vegas they i lost a lot of money there over the summer and um haven't we <laughs> all yeah yeah so but i you know i think it could be close what the spread is 31 um i believe right now right you guys looked at yeah, it yeah it's moving
1: around yeah 31 32 it'll it'll hover around there
2: yeah i mean i think they could easily beat it it's going to be looks like the weather's going to be really wet if it's not raining during the game it's going to be really soggy so that can kind of work against army in a way because you know that ball they just they pitch the ball around so much I mean they can fumble the ball a lot, a lot out of those out of what they run um, but if they don't you know and oh you might have a little bit more trouble throwing it I, I don't know how the weather affects the spread at all but I think I think army could play them within 20 points I think they could I, I, I could see him. Uh, keeping it within 20 Uh, and if and if OU really struggles like if if Kyler Murray comes out and has his first really bad game I don't know what OU's offense does unless um, they solve kind of the running situation Um, so if Kyler Murray comes out and for some reason just isn't what we've seen the first few weeks I could see it being even much closer
1: yeah absolutely and we've you know we're expecting rain on Saturday so you know that could also impact things as well I mean I don't know if Army would play really well in the rain or not but you know maybe with that offense they might have uh, that Oklahoma defense on its heels in the rain and that could potentially be an issue as well but uh, Mm -hmm. Tyler are you ready for the rapid fire
2: yeah let's do it
1: all right man what's your favorite place on campus corner
2: hmm
1: Logies. nice Uh, what's your favorite place in downtown Norman my spot
2: is gray owl because it's so overly hipster that I just—it's so overly hipster. I know it's supposed to be rapid fire, but I have to just—it's okay. Pick that I love that I just love it. I, there was a guy in a type in there one time with a typewriter, and uh, <laughs> I just decided, you know what, this is—I'm coming back. I'll be—you got me, you sold me. It was kind of humbling in a way. It was humbling. It was loud. Uh, I couldn't, you know, you can't focus when I don't I don't know, you can't focus when a guy is on a typewriter. It's it's no, so there, freaking loud.
1: There was actually someone, I think it was a journalist, he brought a typewriter into the Carolina Panthers press box. I think this was 2 years ago. How distracting would that be in a work situation?
2: Oh, I wouldn't It would be very distracting. I mean, I don't I we should, we all either need to go back to typewriters out together. Or we just need to get rid of them all (laughs) together. There's
0: no, no, there can be no in between. I mean, those things aren't light either. Those are, you gotta lug those around. Where do you even get one? That's, that's
1: I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. No clue. But, uh, okay. So Tyler, since you know, you cover the team, you're up in the press box. You're obviously not able to tailgate for OU games, unfortunately, but if you did tailgate, what would be your drink of choice?
2: I've, in a tailgate situation, I'm I'm a straight beer guy, and probably, you know, the cheaper, the cheaper the better. Um, something really watery, um, and then that's and then, better
1: for a hot environment like that. I yeah, it's that's, that's yeah. the, the smart tem- thing
2: in the temp- early season. If the temperatures if the temperatures down, I think that drink changes. A lot of it does depend on the weather, guys. Like if it's November and it's chilly, we're then. Um, there's there's some bourbon in the mix, but September October, you know it's like those late October games where it's still 80 degrees. I I have the I probably have the most watery beer uh, from the gas station and a koozie, and then maybe you're walking around with one of those pocket shots or something, you know, right before you go into the game, a little extra kick right before right before you go in, just to get you kind of right where you want to be.
1: You've I thought missed, this I through. Missed. I like the way you're thinking.
2: <laughs> I haven't done it in so long. but uh, So I think what I'm thinking of is like when I was in school. Um, so that's – that. but that was definitely me. That was my routine. And so. you, you had
1: it figured out. I, I'm pretty similar. You know, you usually – sometimes it's hard to find the little pocket shots, so you've got to go with those little mini bottle things, which are kind of clunky. Mm-hmm. But yep. that's yep. been the plan the last few weeks. But uh, Have people figured out
2: barnoculars too? I mean, yeah, they, oh yeah. Right. So yeah. that's done. What are they? What are they doing? Checking the, checking the lenses, like before you go into. Oh games, no 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 no! no.
1: I, the... I I thought you were referring to people in general. No, oh, I don't no, think oh, the uh, no. security security are they on, I are don't they think on they on. want to find anything. Honestly, they don't want to. Yeah. Kick yeah. people out and prevent them from buying mixers inside the stadium. I mean, yeah. there's no yeah. benefit in that. So. Well, I guess
2: technically on the list of prohibited items, I'd have to check. I think binoculars are on OU's list of prohibited items for the game.
1: That's interesting. Yeah,
2: and I yeah. don't know if it's and for that reason. I think it's kind of just they don't want they don't want anybody with a bit. You can't like you can't bring an umbrella to a game. And I think it's they don't want people with blunt objects that you could, you know, you could hurt somebody with a pair of binoculars. Oh yeah, yeah, um, especially um, an old
1: pair. Oh, oh, those big oh ones. yeah,
2: Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, no, that's um, I don't know about NFL games. I don't know, maybe binoculars. Maybe somebody, maybe the people like OU have put them out of business. I don't know what else you would need those for.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess Jim Brockmeyer uses them on Brockmeyer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't think of any other use than for games. But uh, okay, so speaking of sporting events, what's the greatest sports moment you've seen in person?
2: Um. Okay in 2008 um i used to have a little like a job where i would go work at the u.s open golf tournaments uh just for the duration of the tournament like a little bit before and a little bit after but mostly just during the week of the tournament so in 2008 it was the u.s open in, at Tory pines um, oh no and, yeah, <laughs> that's, so, that's so, awesome yeah and it this it unfolded really uh i mean it just it worked out for me so perfectly they you know it goes into the it goes into the playoff between Tiger and Rocco and the NBA finals were going on at the same time, I believe. And my job was with a, uh, basically I was like a contract employee with one of, with British sky news who I ran a lot of errands and took out a lot of trash and I just, just did trash jobs, you know, but I was there and I was getting paid. Yeah, you were baited. there
1: seeing Tiger. I mean, right. You know. <laughs> but they,
2: um, on the day of the playoff, all of the guys who had actual jobs producing the event, like on the course they were, because they were contract guys they moved on to other you know they were scheduled to leave monday they had flights leaving out of town they were on their way so a lot of them left so they the british sky news crew needed me just to basically hold a tripod and drive a golf cart because the logistics of it's pretty fascinating the logistics of covering a golf tournament how much space the golf the tournament covers and them getting cameras to places and running cables all over the place i mean it's just nuts they so they need somebody to drive the golf cart to get through crowds. They need a guy to ride along with the camera guy to point the uh, radio frequency thing, uh, you know, at the right place to make sure they're getting the the best frequency. And then there's a, a guy that'll hold a tripod. And I so I was the guy that held the tripod uh, for the 19 holes of that of that finish. So it was just like, I mean, you just couldn't have got much closer than that. It was crazy. And at the time, I didn't even. I mean, I knew it was cool, but as time has gone on and he just hasn't won another major it's like holy hell i, I might have just i might have seen i might have been there for tiger's last major and i hope he i hope he proves me wrong i mean i i root like crazy every time uh he's been in contention since so maybe next year but yeah that that's my best one
1: yeah that i mean yeah like you said as time goes by that has to be so surreal like more surreal as time goes by i mean like that's that's incredible. Like, I mean, I don't think I can top that. Matt, what have you got?
0: That's uh, nothing that cool, that's for sure. Um, truthfully, I haven't had a lot. That sounds lame. I haven't had a lot of really cool sports experiences, like live. Um, seeing Kevin Durant come back for the first time, being on the floor for all of that, that was really wild just to see all the animosity. That's probably what I would go with.
1: What about yeah, – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was at that one too, and that was uh, – That was something else. I don't think I've ever seen more piss and vinegar in, like, an Oklahoma sports crowd. Like, or a crowd in general, for that matter. That was... I didn't think Oklahomans were, like, capable of that much animosity. We're kind of the, I guess, strong silent types or whatever, I guess you could classify us as. But, uh... That was, (laughs) was... It seemed, like, out of character for us. I don't know. It was really cool, though. Mine, I guess, would be... I guess it's a negative, but, I mean... Boise doing the hook and ladder and the Statue of Liberty and all oh, that shit. Oh. That that was rough, but at the same time, that happens and you just kind of have to bow down a little bit. I mean, you can't even be completely mad about that. That was that was pretty ridiculous. And I was at Bryce Drew's shot for Valparaiso at the myriad back in like oh. what was it, ninety seven? Wow. Yeah, wow. I think I, yeah. I, I my dad and I literally walk in from the concourse. We're, we're going to see Billy Tubbs and TCU play Florida State and we end up catching the end of this insane finish for a school that we've never heard of and it's li- it li- it's in the uh what's it called every year the one magic moment or one shining moment every year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I mean that's I guess that's one thing but
2: that's a really good one
1: that, it that is could, a good one, yeah. I, I can barely remember it, but, I mean, it's it's kind of a solid one because there aren't many – it's very uniquely Oklahoma City as well. So it's, it's... – that is kind of cool, I guess. But for the last question, we haven't been very rapid with this, have we, Matt?
2: No, nah,
0: that's, that's all right. That's
1: long okay. Long. This
2: is a slow burn.
1: Slow burn <laughs> fire. <laughs> slow burn fire. Where do you think the Oklahoma City Thunder finish in the Western Conference standings this year?
2: Hmm. I'm trying to not be a not be a huge homer but I'm also trying to I'm trying to think realistically as well it's a fine well. line
0: between being a homer and a hater if you sit you give one win total and take a game away from it you can be called two different things
2: I know it's
1: um we're it, we talking just, about we're
2: we talking, we talking about their division or the whole.
1: The, the whole Western Conference, yeah, regular season yeah. standings.
2: Regular season. I'll, I'm going to say fourth. That's pretty safe. I'm such a down-the-middle guy. It's embarrassing. That, yeah, that that's
1: yeah. very reasonable. I have re-
2: <laughs> I know how to write a fence, guys.
0: Well, I think that's about right. I mean, like, they had tremendous injury luck last year. Uh, I know they get another year together. I know they bounced Carmelo, addition by subtraction, etc., but... I think i'm with you tyler hey i'm glad i'm
2: glad that's a you know I probably like, fair better well, in the
1: playoffs this time around though i would think i mean you,
2: you would hope so that's not saying very much so. i think they'll have a little bit better chemistry you know yeah because yeah. last i mean it well it just couldn't get it can't get worse than it was last year and they'll uh i think i think they'll have a, they'll be a little more cohesive I, I wonder with you know with george coming back what it'll be like um, you know, those guys kind of an opportunity to get even closer after a year. And then with him making that the big decision um, over the summer, that'll be a thing where I think that can uh, uh, just bring them closer together. It sounds super lame, but you know, there's some, no, I mean, yeah, that's legitimate to happen. They, you know, they tried to force fit that thing last year and that just doesn't always work. And you know, they don't have
1: that whole free agency situation hanging over the team this off season or, uh, This season, so I mean, that's that kind of thing isn't messing with everything. They're not gonna play like they're walking on eggshells or anything like that anymore. So Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of the pressure's off, right? So there's that, yeah. But Tyler, uh, thanks so much for uh coming on. Matt, do you have anything to say?
0: Well, yeah, I was just gonna tell Tyler thanks for coming on again. And you can follow Tyler, um, at T Paul 83 on Twitter. Uh, Tyler is a sports editor and OU football beat writer, among several other things, at the uh, Norman Transcript, fantastic newspaper, uh, and it's also its normantranscript.com, isn't it? The yeah. Website. yeah. 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 Normantranscript.com—you can find Tyler's writing at. So Tyler, uh, definitely appreciate your time tonight. It was uh, very fun having you on.
2: Yeah, Matt, Jack, I appreciate, it, man. I always enjoy following your guys' coverage too. So keep up the good work.
0: Alright, now we are talking to Mitchell Northam, uh, editor and contributor for Against All Enemies. That is SB Nation's destination uh, for Air Force, Army, West Point, Navy, all military sports coverage. Mitchell, how are you doing today?
3: Good, how are you guys?
0: Doing pretty good. Just looking forward to uh, the Army-Oklahoma matchup coming up this weekend. For sure, yeah. Thanks for
3: having
1: me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, Army... They've tallied more passing yards through three games than they recorded all of last season, which is a pretty incredible statistic, Uh, and that can be attributed, I guess, to new QB Kelvin Hopkins. What stands out about him as a QB, and what separates him from some of the QB's Army uh, has had in the past?
3: Yeah, I think um, Kelvin Hopkins is a confident passer. Um, I think in the past you've seen, you know, as is the case with most triple option teams, you look at Navy and they have Malcolm Perry, who is basically a converted wide receiver playing quarterback for them in the triple option system. You know, it's it's a system that doesn't really ask a lot of the quarterback in terms of passing, but, you know, it does need someone who is a good decision maker um so but hopkins is a confident passer um in the past you know when army had a mod bradshaw he was great at running the triple option really fast really shifty really good decision making with um you know flipping that ball out of there um but really was not great as a passer it was kind of a last you know last resort thing for army um but with hopkins you know they're actually you know running kind of random passing plays in the middle of uh you know these these triple option drives and stuff um it's just not, you know, what you typically see out of, a, uh, out of a triple option team. But when you have a good quarterback, um, you know, it's definitely definitely adds a good wrinkle because a lot of times I think teams just try to kind of stack the box and, um, you know, close down those edges on triple option teams. Um, but, you know, a few years ago, um, due to some injuries, Navy had to call on uh, this guy, Will Worth, who started as a third stringer behind Keenan Reynolds. Um, and he, he was really good at throwing the ball. And it's kind of how they ended up um, upsetting Houston a couple years ago. Um so yeah, definitely uh yeah, I, w- I would just say that yeah, Hopkins is a confident passer. Um and while, you know, he's gonna be a triple option run first guy, he can definitely sling it down there if he needs to.
1: You know, switching the focus to the uh the ground game, which is, you know, obviously Army's forte, but uh you know, plenty of backs get work in this triple option offense, but who has stood out in the backfield so far
3: in twenty eighteen? Sure, yeah. Um I mean Hopkins has racked up a lot of yards. Um, But so far this year, Army's kind of gone with sort of a tandem with him and um, a fullback by the name of Darnell Woolfolk. Wolfolk, excuse me. Um, They've kind of formed this kind of smash and dash type of thing. You know, Calvin, you know, is a speedy guy. He can, you know, juke some guys out and make a miss. Uh, Wolfolk is, I mean, he's basically a bowling ball with legs. He's 5'9", 235 pounds, Um, you know, goes up the gut, can – yeah, you know, Army, I think a few times against Hawaii converted on fourth downs just by, you know, fourth and one situations by, you know, just giving him the ball and letting him dive up the gut. Um, he uh, had 70 yards on 19 carries against Hawaii and a big part of that triple option is just, you know, kind of grinding, you know, those long drives out that just burn up the clock. Um, so he definitely helps them do that. Um, I would say that that Woolfolk and um, and Calvin Hopkins are, are the guys who are going to get the most touches so far in this offense, and they've been the ones who who have been impressive the most.
1: Now, as far as Hopkins' targets are concerned, uh, who do you think has the best chance to uh,
3: deliver the best the uh, big play in this offense this weekend? Yeah, he um, he hasn't really developed like a favorite target. You know, somebody who. you know, is getting a lot of looks every game and stuff. Um, But there's one guy, um, Kalen Holt, he's kind of a, you know, kind of a wingback slash receiver, kind of a speedy slot guy. Um, He had a really big catch last week against Hawaii, you know, just caught a a pass in the flat basically and took it 63 yards up the field um, and helped Army set up a touchdown. And, you know, was one of the big reasons why they beat Hawaii. Um, He had, you know, a couple of touches for some runs on the ground as well. Um, I think he had you know somewhere in the 50 yard range um, against Duke, you know the first game of the season. So he's a guy you know that you know if you're an Oklahoma fan kind of looking at the defense and kind of looking at who to keep an eye on, um, I would definitely say that, you know, in, d- in addition to Hopkins and Woolfolk, um, Caitlin Holt is a guy um, you know, who can break off a big play.
0: Uh, Mitchell, this army offense is one that's designed to control possession, um, <clears throat> limit the opponent's uh, offensive opportunities. Unfortunately, the defense is not holding up that end of the bargain, though. They're 90th in defensive efficiency. What's been the biggest issue on that end?
3: Yeah, um, I would say there's two. One is they haven't really been able to get after the quarterback much at all. Um, And the other one is they don't really force turnovers um, and take the ball away. Um, Sacks this year, you know, they. I guess, you know, if you're looking at kind of the box scores, they've improved every game. They had one sack against Duke. Uh, just two against Liberty. You know, when you look at a team like Liberty, you should definitely, you know, if you kind of consider yourself an upper echelon, you know, FBS team, you should probably have more than two sacks. Considering Liberty just recently made that jump from I F- F- yeah, I can't even talk, FCS. That's a mouthful. Um, and then they had three sacks against Hawaii. So, you know, they're, they're not really getting after the quarterback a whole lot. Um, not really, you know, and even when they're not getting sacks. They're not really, you know, getting those hurries or, you know, forcing quarterbacks into bad decisions or anything. Um, aside from that Liberty game, they've just had one takeaway this season, which was a fumble recovery against Duke. So, you know, didn't didn't force Hawaii any into any turnovers, um, but you know, came out of that game with a win anyway. So, yeah, I think you know if if, if they're gonna you know pull off this you know pull off an awesome upset and you know going to Norman and beat Oklahoma, um, you know the defense is definitely gonna have to. Uh, force a turnover or two or three or, or a few and, and try to get to Kyler Murray. Speaking of that
0: Liberty game, did I see that the punter
3: got ejected for targeting Yes, Liberty's yes, punter? Yes. It was, what was yes, up with that? Uh, I mean, he, it was just on a punt return and, uh, you know, the Army's punt returner, um, his name escapes me right now, but, you know, he was basically already being tackled and going to the ground and uh, Liberty's punter just came in head first um, and hit that guy head first on his helmet. And, uh, yeah um definitely i mean and a pretty egregious uh you know targeting call there was no way he was going to get out of that unless a referee just took pity on him for being a punter and uh you know trying to make a tackle um but uh yeah that was uh one of the, definitely one of the wildest uh moments of the college football season so far a punter getting ejected for targeting
1: yeah so i guess liberty's punter's probably gonna have a Random PED test coming his way sometime (laughs) soon, I'm guessing. Yeah,
3: yeah. Random PED test and uh, you know lots of visits to the chapel um, there in Lynchburg.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh man, but uh, you know Jeff Munkin, he inherited a program that had been mired in on-field mediocrity for years. But uh, Army's gone twenty and nine since the beginning of the 2016 season. Uh, What's been his key to turning things around?
3: Um, I think uh, there's a couple things. I think number one, he's recruited better than any recent Army coach. Um, You know, him coming from Georgia Southern, um, he has some you know some good ties to the state of Georgia, which is you know a a recruiting hotbed, especially when you talk about around Atlanta and stuff. Um, He, uh, yeah, I think there was a stat in the Duke game or something like that. There was 14 players or something in the Duke Army game who were from Georgia. Um, between both rosters. And I think Army had, you know, six or seven of them. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, he's he's really been good at recruiting. You know, he's been around. He kind of knows, you know, how to do that kind of stuff um, and how to recruit for a service academy. It can be kind of hard to convince guys to come there. But, you know, Ken Ken Niamasalolo has been able to do that in Navy, um, and Jeff Munkin's doing that at Army now. So the, he's really raised, I think, the talent level of the roster. Um, and I think he's just sort of built, you know, a culture of winning there where, you know, I mean, the first time, you know, first season they came in, you know, they, uh, you know, worked not great right off the bat, but slowly built and they beat Navy. And last year they had that season where they went 10 and three and beat Navy again and won a bowl game. Um, so, I mean, I, I think he's just really built a culture there that, you know, yeah, we're a service academy team and yeah, we're an independent. But, um, you know, we're, you know, it doesn't matter who we play. We're going to go into, you know, every game, you know, and we're going to put up a fight. Um, and they're going to look to win. Um, you know, doesn't really matter who the opponent is. You know, I don't know if they'll go ten and three and repeat the success that they had last year, but um, I definitely think they're they're probably on the right track and you know, you know, a good enough team to make a bowl game again and win it. And um, you know, that annual December clash between them and Navy, it's going to be another good one.
1: Now, you know, obviously for student athletes, their schedules are a lot different from that of the average student and that's, you know, doubly true or more true, uh, for student athletes at the service academies, uh, for those, you know, listening, listening wherever, uh, what does their average day entail?
3: Um, yeah, I I didn't go to a service academy myself, so I can't speak from like firsthand experience, but I know that their days are long. I mean, you know, most of the time these guys are waking up, you know, way before uh, I would say the average college football player, um, you know, I, I think there's sort of this, you know, kind of whisper around college athletics that, you know, maybe some of these guys who, you know, know they're going to be professionals after shorts in college, They know, you know, those guys maybe not are not going to class all the time, maybe they're just focusing on their sports. Um, but, you know, guys at the service academies, you know, they're going to class, they're doing, You know, they're training for, you know, whatever they're going to do after college football. Um, And, you know, they're there for, you know, all four years. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're every day. I think it's just kind of a different thing for them. And, you know, one of the reasons why these guys run the, uh, you know, a lot of these service academies run the triple option is because their offensive linemen um, and defensive linemen, you know, on the other side as well, but definitely on offense, you know, their offensive linemen are a lot smaller than your typical O-lineman at Wisconsin or Oklahoma or Alabama um, because these guys have to stay in shape for, you know, what they have to do on a a military service level. Um, So you're not going to see, you know, a whole lot of 300-pound linemen at service academies. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely a different lifestyle than your your normal uh, college athlete.
1: You know, we'll certainly see plenty of Army veterans at Saturday's game, people, you know, proudly – Supporting, you know, the army team and, uh, you know, representing, you know, the armed forces, you know, on Saturday, plenty of OU fans obviously have served over time, but, uh, how much of a, I guess, specific West pointer black Knights fan contingent would, should we expect this week?
3: Um, I don't know if that I can put like an exact number on it, but, um, I would say that the, most of the service academies, you know, travel really well, um, in terms of a fan base, um, like you just said, you know, I'm sure there's tons of people, you know, there in Oklahoma and, you know, OU grads who, you know, served in the Army um, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that's just kind of the thing of it. You know, there's, you know, all over the country, you know, it doesn't matter if you're playing in Oklahoma or you're playing in Jacksonville or you're playing in California. Um, you're going to have military veterans there um, and you're going to have people who have. Allegiances to Army or Navy or Air Force, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, even when the service academies go into, you know, these Power Five schools, um, they usually have a, a decent, you know, following there of, of fans. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't expect like half of the stadium to be in, you know, cadet uniforms or in Black Knight's attire. But, uh, yeah, there's probably going to be a, a, a solid group of fans there.
1: Okay, so... What's one fact about Army football that you think Oklahoma fans should be aware of, other than the uh, 1945 National Championship? I think we're all pretty aware of that, the one that Oklahoma State's currently trying to steal.
3: Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's uh, that 1945 National Championship. Um, I don't have a ton. Um, you know, I know that uh, Tim Kish, the uh, current Oklahoma linebacker's coach, he coached, Uh, defensive ends at army, um, from 1984 to, to 1991. So he, he has a little bit of an idea of, uh, you know, what's going on there at West point. Um, West point has, uh, some, some good college basketball coaches under its belt with, uh, Mike Shusevsky and Bobby Knight having coached there in the past. Um, and, uh, Barry Switzer, he served in the army in the sixties. Um, he didn't go to West point, but, uh, you know, did some service and, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have any like super, uh, interesting facts about West Point for you, but um, you know, uh, I would encourage your readers to, you know, take a deep dive and even visit our site.
1: (laughs) Yeah, againstallenemies.com that's a, that is a brand new site, by the way, by SB Nation. I love that they've gotten that going, and uh, like you said, off the air uh, the site's really growing and bringing in new contributors, so, you know, Armed Forces football is really intriguing, and I think it's you know, pretty much anyone can root for those teams, so I, I, I would encourage everyone to follow them on Twitter and uh, definitely read their stuff as well. So, uh, one final thing. You know, as far as Vegas odds are concerned, since 1995, the Armed Services Schools, the service academies, that when they are a 21.5 or more underdog, so essentially three touchdowns or more, uh... They're seventy-five percent against the spread, which is, if you follow Vegas, that's you understand that that's pretty insane, like from a probability standpoint, because Vegas is pretty good. They typically have things figured out, but uh, the spread is, you know, it's hovering around thirty-one or thirty-two. How close do you think Army can keep this game?
3: Um, to be honest, I think you know I think Army's going to lose, but I definitely I, I do think that they can cover the spread. Um, it's going to be tough. Like I said earlier, you know, I think kind of the the recipe for their success or the recipe for covering the spread or even, you know, the low probability of pulling off an upset um, is going to be, you know, having an efficient offense that keeps Kyler Murray off the field. Um, I think that when Army's successful, when most triple option teams are successful, it's not when they get into – you know shootouts, and it's not when they're playing from behind. It's when they can, you know, control the possession of the game and just really grind out drives and keep their defense off the field. Um, if Army can do that, if they can, you know, grind out a couple, you know, really long kind of 18-play drives, um, and uh, you know keep their defense off the field. And when their defense is off the f- on the field, they're going to have to, you know, step up and get after the quarterback and force a few turnovers. Um, that's what they'll have to do. I think they can do enough of that to cover the spread, you know, as big as it is, 30 points um, or 31, wherever wherever you might see it, depending on the book. Um, I just I, – I it's, it's hard for me to imagine Army getting blown off the field by that many, um, but I do think, at the, in the end, Oklahoma will come out with the win.
0: Alright, I think that is all we have for you. Uh, we have been talking to Mitchell Northam. Uh, he is the editor and contributor for Against All Enemies. That's the new SB Nation uh, service or military.
1: Service Academies. There uh, go. Yeah, for, 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 for Service Academies uh, Sports.
0: Thanks sure. for helping me through that sure. one. I needed help there. Uh, <laughs> at AAE underscore SBN um, againstallenemies.com You can find Mitchell's coverage there. Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: Big thanks to our friends, Tyler Palmateer, um, sports editor, Norman Transcript, Mitchell Northam, contributor and editor for Against All Enemies. That is the uh, SB Nation Service Academy blog. Uh, that's a new pursuit, isn't it? They just, when did they last? Yeah, launch
1: like I, I, about two weeks ago, it seems like, or maybe right before the season started. Brand spanking like, new. R- like really new, like this month.
0: Good stuff. It's, um, I don't know, I really find it fascinating just from the perspective of, uh, it's a copycat sport, right? I mean, every they, once the spread became successful, once everybody realized that that was a great equalizer, all of a sudden everybody's running the spread. Where everybody else has zigged, Army and these other teams have not zagged. And, yeah. uh, and if, if you listened to Mitchell Northam earlier, he gave a really fascinating reason about why they run the triple option. Yeah. Uh, I had never thought of it that way. It's because they don't have, they can't have those big offensive yeah, linemen. Yeah, you, you can't they be 300 pounds and
1: be in the Army. Yeah. So, I
0: thought that was really interesting. Uh, it's just always fascinating to watch those teams. It's kind of like peeking into another era. Also, consistently have some of the best uniforms in all of
1: college Absolutely. Football. Yeah, Navy's helmet's always great. Uh, Army always has great uniforms. I love... uh you know, Air Force's color scheme with they the, they uh, the lightning messed, bolt on the uh, helmet. Yeah. That's a damn good look. They I haven't messed that. with that
0: one very much. But Army and Navy really get creative. Especially yeah, they Navy do. Especially Navy get just incredibly creative and uh, definitely give us some of the best, like I said, college football uniforms year in and year out. So, um, Jack, we already looked back. No use uh, going back to Iowa State. That's dead. That's gone. Yeah. So let's move on to Army. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, it is – we're, we're recording a couple of days before the game, uh, so, I mean, what's your, I, I hate that I even have to ask this, what's your level of concern? Um, what are the things that you are going to be looking for, specifically? I mean, it's 30-point spread, so I already know the answer to number one, but specifically what are you looking for?
1: Well, defensively, I'm looking for absolutely nothing, because nothing that we see from this defense this weekend is really going to apply the rest of the year with the exception of some of the stuff that Kansas state does, I guess, but obviously that's not a triple option. That's a, that's a much different scheme, but, uh, but I mean, obviously it involves a really intense gap discipline, I guess, but, uh, which I guess, I mean, that's, you know, doubly true when you're going against a true triple option, like you are with, uh, army, but, uh, you know, offensively, I don't really see OU having too many issues. I mean, Army, when they're on the field, which typically they're not on the field defensively too much because their offense is designed to sort of eat up the clock, but uh, I, they haven't really been very efficient defensively this year, and, uh, you know, Oklahoma's athletes, I'm pretty confident that uh, they'll do their thing this weekend. So, I mean – I I do think that Army's gonna beat the spread. I mean, we gave you know there was that stat that uh, I think Jason Kirk found that, uh, SB Nation plug right there. But uh, that uh, yeah, seventy five percent of the time, uh, the service academies cover uh, that's crazy as three plus touchdown underdogs. You know, seventy five percent of the time since nineteen ninety five, which is bananas. So, you know, some there is some gambler out there. He's like, why that was like my secret. I made so much
0: money off of that, and now. Uh, That information is out there. I I
1: feel like I have to fly to Vegas now and put a bunch of money on Army to cover, you know, 31, 32 or whatever it's going to be at that time. But uh, it, you know, and obviously there's a reason for that statistic. But at the same time, I'm like I said with Tyler, I'm a little surprised that uh, Vegas hasn't really caught on to that at this point, which is very it's very improbable that they haven't caught on to that at this point. I'm sure that
0: they have caught on to it. It's the people who haven't caught on to it. Because if, they, if the well, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like the smart it. money hasn't caught on to it. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's gotcha.
1: it's yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> like I like give me the give me the service academy to cover the enormous spread this week. And I even if they do cover that spread, I'm also, not going to be upset.
0: Also, hot betting uh, pick right here take the under on game time I don't care what it is this game is gonna be done like that I don't yeah. think, I don't think you can actually get that anywhere but yeah uh, unless there's a, a
1: rain day. delay or something like that or a storm delay I don't think there's supposed to be any lightning uh, that's though, possible so but
0: I I've got we can
1: play thing. with a little bit of rain so if
0: this game is in hand in the second quarter like it should be uh, this game should go by very quickly um, and then you look I don't know if is OSU in tech in still it's in still you know? water yeah I mean that's in the same state and that game might actually be twice as long as literally OU and Army. it could be nearly
1: twice as long
0: I cannot like I you know that shootout at OU Tech OU and Texas Tech I've had a couple of those yeah. um in recent years I cannot stand watching football like that
1: cannot stand it I don't I don't I, I want to see if it gets that defense. out of hand yes I mean it it, it doesn't Sporting always is fun, but
0: defense is fun too
1: It doesn't always happen when teams like that meet each other so I think it was Oklahoma State and Texas Tech last year it was I mean, obviously it was high scoring, but it wasn't like this, you know, unhinged offensive affair like it was with Oklahoma and Texas Tech in 2016. I've, just so, got, I've got a feeling you're going to see. I think I think we might see stuff. something close to that, though. Granted, I kind of like what Jim Knowles has done, uh, Oklahoma State's defense. They're, they're, they're pretty the aggressive. Yeah, they are turning again. the ball over. I don't know how aggressive they'll be against Texas Tech, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it will be uh,
0: interesting. I'll definitely have eyes on that game. Um, but as far as a score prediction, I think we were pretty on the money last week with our score prediction. So you want to give one for this week?
1: I wasn't on the money at all, but uh, uh I was trying to give you credit there. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was actually pretty close. I, ha- I actually haven't thought about my score prediction yet because I, I'm, I usually write my gambling post at this point, but I haven't yet. Uh, let's go Oklahoma 48. Or actually, no, let's go Oklahoma... 41, Army, uh, s- let's go Army 17, one seventeen Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, my extremely uninformed, as I have not watched a down of Army football this year, just going to put that out. You have a
1: pretty good idea of what you're going to see, though. I mean, yes,
0: absolutely, and in, 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 in talking with Mitchell uh, Northam, so... Uh, you, you kind of gave me an idea of what to expect on defense. Defense has been lacking for them, so I'm going to say 49-17. Pretty close to yours. Okay, cool. Um, well, I, is that is that it for us? I, 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 it? Do
1: you have any final thoughts? I'm uh, I'm drawing a blank here. So. No,
0: yeah, I think that is um, about all that we can say um, about OU Army. Uh, I think Mitchell did an excellent job of,
1: of setting the game up for sure. I um, am looking forward to a night game, though. I will say that. So yeah, that will I, be. I don't know what I'm gonna even do with myself in the morning. We've had all these early kickoffs, but yeah,
0: I prefer the uh, rooster kickoffs for work reasons. But um, that's understandable. But I can appreciate a night kickoff as well. Yeah. Uh, and really, what the, the kickoff I wanted to be an early one was OU Baylor. Uh, they revealed that to be a two thirty one. Yeah. Fist pump because I've got some uh, big plans that week, and so that's the one there I really go. cared about being late. So uh, or being early rather. So, uh, so big uh, again, big thanks to our friends Tyler Palanteer. Um, Mitchell Northam of the uh, Against All Enemies uh, SB Nation blog. Uh, That's brand new, uh, covering all the service academies. For Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown.